Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Backus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. I know I want us to quickly get into it. Uh, we're going to continue a, a, a study that we had started uh, two weeks ago. I had the opportunity to minister to you a, a message called Give Me Jesus. Amen. How many know that we need Jesus? Everybody say, give me Jesus. That was weak. One more time. Give me Jesus. Amen. How many of you need Jesus? Amen. We need Jesus. All of us need Jesus. We need the presence of the living God. We need the Almighty in our life. Amen. We cannot live without him. I don't know about you, but I cannot live without Jesus. Amen. We cannot live without who he is. We cannot live without his presence, his strength, and everything that he is to us. And I want to just quickly remind you of a few things that we learned about Jesus. And, 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 and something that I want to remind us of tonight is, number one, if you, if you want to take notes, you can write this down. Number one reason why Jesus is enough for us, because there's a lot of things the world will offer you. But this is the number one reason why Jesus is enough is because he never loses his value. Amen? He never loses his value. Jesus will always be worth it all. If you choose to follow him, if you choose to surrender your life to him, if you choose to say yes to him, he is always worth your your life. Amen? He's worth everything that you have to offer him. And anything less is, is actually selling Jesus short. Amen? Anything less than giving Jesus our full life is actually selling short the payment that was made on your behalf. Jesus gave it, what? All for you. Amen? Jesus gave everything for you that we might know him, that we might have communion, that we might have fellowship with him every day. That means that you would be in a relationship with Jesus. Amen? We need Jesus. And so we learn that he never loses his value. He is more valuable, church, than anything that you could ever attain in this world. How many of you have a job? Raise your hand if you have a job. Amen? How many of you earn money at your job? Right? (laughs) You should. (laughs) You should earn a little bit of money at your job. And how many of you would give up a year's wages for Jesus? Right now, if I said, listen... It's now or never. Would you give up all of your paychecks for this entire year for Jesus? Not many of us were quick to raise our hand. Not many of us were quick to say, like, you know what? I would give everything for him. But the truth is, is that most of us will find ourselves struggling because we have that battle within our hearts. We say, well, this is valuable. What I'm earning and what I'm working for every single day, it's valuable. It cost me something. It cost me my time, my education. It cost me, you know, giving all, you know, all of my effort every single day. Every single day I would come and I would say, this is what I have to offer. And so this is something that, you know, I've worked for. This is valuable, Jesus. And so maybe you make $100 a day and you think, you know what, you know, I don't know how I could give up the $100 a day for Jesus. But did you know, church, that Jesus gave up his very rights to be king on this earth and he lowered himself to be like a servant to die for your sins. 
He had every right to walk into this earth, to walk upon the face of this planet and walk around with a crown of, of glory upon his head and a robe flowing in his life. And he could have walked around and demanded that everybody bow down to him as king, but yet he came as a servant. He came willingly to die for your sins. He came ready to serve you. The cost that Jesus paid, the price that he paid, was worth more than you would ever earn in this lifetime. And yet he doesn't ask us even for that. He just asks for your heart. He asks for your surrender. Things that you work for, things that you toil for, that you labor for, the Bible says that every single one of them will dissolve. Every single one of them will fade away. Every single one of them will burn up at the end of this world. But guess what? Jesus will never lose his value. Amen? He will never lose his value. Amen? The second thing that we had learned was this, is that Jesus never washes or fades away. Everybody take a look at your clothes. Did they look exactly like when you first bought them? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Maybe you're wearing a new shirt today. I have no idea. Maybe you're not wearing a new shirt. I, I put on a shirt this evening to come to church tonight, and my wife was astonished because I've lost about 15 pounds, and some of you may not notice, or maybe you did notice, but the shirt was, like, really big. It was funny, and I, I don't think I've ever had that problem in my life, <laughs> but it was the weirdest thing to me because this shirt no longer has value to me because it doesn't fit, so I'll give it away to one of you. Amen. Let me know your size after service, and it's yours, but here's the deal. Jesus Unlike our clothes, unlike our cars, unlike our valuables, he'll never wash and he'll never fade away. Amen? That means that he won't change with the things that you go through in life. Every single day we get older. Amen? Every single day our body gets weaker. Every single day we might get another gray hair on our head, you know, for those of us that have them. Every single day we age, we, we, the Bible says that we are eventually going to decay. But here's the truth of who Jesus is, is Jesus will not wash away and he will not fade. He is the same yesterday, he is the same today, and he is the same forever. Can somebody say amen tonight? Amen, amen, amen. And so tonight I want us to continue into the, the third thing that we see about Jesus that makes him everything to us. Amen. And so if you're writing notes, I want you to write this down. This is another reason why Jesus is better than anything that you would ever find in this world. The third thing is this, is he never changes status. I'll say that one more time. He never changes status. In a world that we live in today, status is something that always changes. Amen? Status is constantly changing. That is the status of an athlete. We see athletes that come into the league, whatever, the, whatever sport it is that they play, the young guys, and they take over. And then we see, you know, the older guys, you know, they get tired, and all of a sudden they, they don't play as well. Because why? They, they, they've aged over time, and their status will eventually change. 
They can't perform as well. We see movie stars and people that are in Hollywood. They get older. They don't look as good. Or they try to do plastic surgery. Oh, my gosh. Anybody ever seen an actor or an actress that completely doesn't look like themselves anymore because they did plastic surgery? Raise your hand. This is a, your, your, your word of warning tonight. Don't do plastic surgery. Okay? Jesus made you great just the way that you are. Amen. But we see people that get older and they don't look as good and their fame will cause them to destroy themselves because they're trying to still look young. We see the status change every single day of how you feel. Some of you wake up and you're a completely different person from day to day. Wake up one day and it's like, oh, we got the joy of the Holy Ghost inside of my life. You wake up the next day and it's like, you know, are you even a Christian? <laughs> So your mood changes, right? The status of your health might change. The status of your bank account might change. And so the world puts a lot of emphasis on status and through things like social media, Facebook, and all those things. And the world actually has an obsession with status, much like the devil himself. Did you know that the devil had an obsession with status? Satan himself had a, 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 an obsession to be like God. Satan had an obsession to be an equal with God. And did you know that an obsession with yourself is pride? An obsession with yourself, that is being constantly, you know, about yourself, you know, uh, looking in the mirror and seeing how you look and seeing how other people see you and, and all those things. An obsession with yourself is actually a form of pride. It's actually a form of pride. And so an obsession with how you look or how you're perceived in the eyes of men, how you're perceived, you know, on social media and all those things. Ultimately, here's the deal. If we are more aware of how we're perceived by men, then guess what? We've committed a big sin. Because the only awareness that we should have of who somebody else thinks about us or what somebody else thinks about us is what God thinks about us. Amen? That should be the only thing that concerns us. It shouldn't be, you know, what somebody thinks of you or what somebody thinks of, of, you know, the relationship that you're in. The only person that we should have and be concerned with is the Lord himself. The word speaks of Satan in Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 13. He says this, he said, you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God and I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. He said, I will ascend to the tops of the clouds and I will make myself like the most high. This is why pride is the very thing that God rejects. This is why when a man or woman carries themselves with a form of pride in their life, the Bible says that God rejects the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I need grace, don't you? How many of you need grace in your life? Man, we desperately need grace. We need grace more than we think that we need grace. But the enemy had a higher status on his mind because he wanted to be like God and he wanted to be even more than God. But I want us to look at the status of Christ. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5 says, in your relationships with one another, he says, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. This is Jesus. 
God's son. And what does it say? He did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. What would that look like? That would look like Jesus, you know, saying, you know what? I can have everybody come and serve me because I'm God's son. I can make them, I can tell them to come and bow down to me and demand that they all serve me because I'm the son of God. I can cast out any devil at any given time and and get paid for it. But that's not what his intention was, amen? Verse 7 says, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself By what? By becoming obedient to death and even death on a cross. Humility is saying, I choose what God wants over my life than what I want over my life. Amen? That's what true humility is because you're saying, guess what? I believe that what God has for my life and in store for me is better than I could ever conjure up for myself. It's better than anything that I could ever want to do with my own life. The Lord Church is not impressed with our social media. Amen? (laughs) Some of you just, oh. (laughs) He's not impressed with our status in the world. In fact, his word says the least shall be the greatest. Amen? The least should be the greatest in the kingdom. The weak would be made strong. The humble would be lifted up. The last would be what? First in the kingdom of God. And I say this because it's important because humility in the body of Christ brings the power of God. Did you know that? Humility within the body of Christ will usher in the power of God to work in our lives. And dependence on Christ will bring the strength needed to do the work of God. Dependence fully on the Lord will bring that very element that we need to serve God, to love God, to worship God. We need to depend on the Lord, amen? And so here's the deal. Our God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will never change. He will never change through the humble sacrifice of his life. He reminds every single one of us, and he reminds us that the enemy's status is still eternally defeated, destroyed, and damned forever. Can somebody say amen tonight? This is what Jesus has done for us because the status of Jesus is that he still is the bright and morning star. Amen. The status of Jesus is that he is still the lover of your souls. Amen. That he is still the great I am. That he is still the alpha and the omega. That he is still the rose of Sharon. That he is still our healer. That he is still the lifter of our heads. That he is our provider. That he is a mighty warrior. That he is the king of kings, church. That he is the Lord of lords. That Jesus is the prince of peace. His status has not changed. He has not changed in any way. He has not lost his power. He is still the beginning and the end. He is still the author and the finisher of your faith. Jesus still is Jehovah Jireh. Come on. Our provider church. He still is Jehovah Nisi. Our banner. Do you have a banner? Man, I have a banner. The banner is Jesus. I'm not waving my own flag. I'm waving Jesus for all to see. He's still Jehovah Shalom. Our peace, amen. He's still Jehovah Shammah. That means that the Lord is there. 
Do you know that he's here? He's here. He's here. He's still Jehovah Adonai. That means that he is my Lord. Is he your Lord tonight? Raise your hand if he's your Lord. Then never forget the standards that Christ has set for our lives in him. If he is truly your Lord, then we should never forget the standards that he has set for our life. James chapter 4 and verse 4 says this. This is a word of rebuke, but it says, you adulterous people. He said, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? He says, therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit that he has caused to dwell in us? It says, but he gives us more grace. Everybody say more grace. This is why the scripture said God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. Do you know that Jesus is jealous for you? He's jealous for you. He's jealous for your attention. Not because he's some needy person that, you know, he needs it. It's because he desires it. Amen. And he created us with that, with that longing in our hearts to please him. Amen. The Lord is jealous, church, that your heart would never belong to the world. That your heart wouldn't belong to the things of the world and the desires of the world. Amen. The world's cares and the world's wants. And so in an ever-changing world, he is still the same. Amen. And our hearts, though they change emotionally from day to day, it should be that Christ is still reigning. It should be that Jesus is still Lord of our life and reigning in our heart. And we need still the Holy Spirit to reign in our life. Because here's the deal. It is a slippery slope to fall into pride and to fall into that status game that the world plays and think that we'll have God's approval. It is a slippery slope, my friend, if you think that you can just somehow be friends with the world and somehow be, you know, you know popular and, and seeking after things that the world seeks and certain types of status and possession that the world seeks and think that somehow you're going to have the approval of God as well. My friend, you are wrong. What did he say in this scripture? I need to read it again. Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. How strong of a warning do we need? How strong of a warning do we need to understand that if we are a friend of the world, that we've become God's enemy? Jesus told us, he said, I no longer call you servants, but I, I call you my friends. But the reason he was able to say that was because he said, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. You see, there is a requisite from us and from our life to put him first. Amen. To love him before all things. To love him more than we love the world. To love him more than we love our job. To love him more than we love, you know, even our own family. There is still that requisite. Doesn't mean that we don't love other people. It doesn't mean that we don't, you know, like things that we've achieved in this world, but it always means that he must be first. Because here's the deal a lack of fear and a lack of reverence for the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf will allow the trap of pride to overtake our heart. Do you know that we must fear God again? 
I'm going to say that loud and clear. We need to fear God again. Amen. We need to fear God again. We need to understand, church, something that, that I think there is a lack of in this season, in this time that we are living in. We need to fear the Lord again because, listen, the Lord is not to be messed with. Just weeks ago, and I was talking to, I think, Miriam about this and some of our young people, but they were reminding me about this horrible act that happened in the country of Brazil. They had a man that was dressed up like Satan, and he was, and he was mocking Jesus. They had a man that was dressed up like Jesus, and, and Satan was dragging Jesus through the streets of Brazil. How many of you remember the scripture that says that God will not be mocked? Amen? God will not be mocked. And I say this as a word of warning, and I say this as the truth. God will still display his wrath in the earth. Amen? When people mock God, God is still able. It doesn't mean that God is somehow just going to sit on the sideline and just take it every single time. Because what happened a few days later and a few moments later was there was this massive storm that came through. Floods and all kinds of stuff that came through that city and came through that region and many people died. Do we think that it's okay to mock God? Do we think that it's okay to live this life? We say that we are for Jesus, but yet live a life that's completely separate from his word, completely separate from what he desires and what he wants. We need to fear the Lord again. Isaiah 8 and verse 13 says, The Lord Almighty is the one that you are to regard as holy. And he is the one that you are to fear. And he is the one that you are to dread. I know this doesn't sound like the New Testament Jesus. <laughs> that everybody thinks the New Testament Jesus is just nothing but love and he's, and he's perfect and he's peaceful and he's joyful. God has not changed. Amen? The wrath of God could still come at any moment. Joshua 22 and verse 5 says, Be careful to keep the commandments and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. And that is to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to keep his commands, to hold fast to him, and to serve him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. In Deuteronomy 7 and verse 9, it says this, Know therefore that your Lord, that your Lord God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who what? Love him and those who obey his commands. Those who keep his commands. This is why I would rather have Jesus. This is why I would rather know the Lord and why I would rather desire Jesus. Because listen, he is always faithful. Did you know that? He's always going to be faithful. He's always going to be true to his word. He's always going to be worthy to be loved, to be served, to be feared, and to be made known in this world. He is always worthy of it. How many of you know that you're, God is faithful, amen? How many of you have ever seen the Lord, just his faithfulness in your life? Raise your hand quickly. He is faithful, amen? But he's also truthful. He's also the God of truth. And so he expects nothing less than all of our life. Everything that we have to offer him. He is so faithful that if you would ask the widow, 
that had one meal left for her and her son. If you would ask her of her her testimony of his faithfulness, if you would ask her, she only had one meal left, and she saw the prophet Elijah come and provide this meal that, that God had given them for the rest of their days. That's faithfulness. Ask the Israelites who were freed of slavery and they were provided for in a desert for 40 years and they crossed a sea on dry land and they crossed into a promised land that God had for them. Ask them if God is faithful. Amen. God is truly faithful. And I believe, church, that every single day we must never forget the faithfulness of God. But we must never forget that God is to be feared and God is to be served and that God is to be loved and that God should never be mocked. Amen. Psalms 135 and verse 13 says, Your name, O Lord, endures forever. It says, Your renown, O Lord, through all generations. The status of God has never changed. And guess what? He will never change. I'm thankful, though, that He is the same yesterday. He is the same today. And He is the same forever. Amen? Another reason why we should say, Give me Jesus, is this. Is He alone can satisfy your spirit. He alone, there's nobody else in this life and in this world that could satisfy your spirit. It's unfortunate that many people in this this life, they walk through an entire life in this world without ever knowing Christ. It's so unfortunate to me that that there's so many people that may live their entire life and they will never know the love of Jesus. They'll never know uh, just the embrace of a father. They'll never know the forgiveness that, that Jesus offers us. And they will walk every day of their life truly unsatisfied because there's always a void, a missing piece to their puzzle, an unfulfilled state, and ultimately an unsatisfied person. Men would say this, that their hunger for food has been satisfied. Their hunger after ambitions have been satisfied. Their hunger for possessions and riches has been satisfied. But listen, no one without Christ can ever have their spirit satisfied. You can find satisfaction in all kinds of things in this world, but nobody can ever say that their spirit will be satisfied without Jesus. Only through Jesus can our soul find the satisfaction that it needs. In the world, when seeking relationships and possessions and riches and, 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 and properties and addictions and pleasures and status and greed and all these things, they'll be like the prophet when he spoke in Isaiah 29 and verse 8. He says this, And when a hungry man dreams that he is eating, But when he awakens and his hunger remains, as when a thirsty man dreams that he is drinking, but when he awakens faint with his thirst unquenched, so it will be with the hordes of the nations that fight against Mount Zion. You see, there's going to be a lot of people, church, that that are living an unsatisfied life because they have not yet tasted of the goodness of God. They have not yet tasted of the goodness of the Lord. And anything but Jesus will leave your spirit unsatisfied. I have this thought today. It was such a sad thing to think that people could live their entire life, 30, 40, 50 years, 100 years for some people. To live that many years in this world and never choose Jesus in their lifetime. 
What a sad thought that is. Because for those of us that know him, for those of us that have met him, for those of us that know his love and his grace, we know that there's nothing else that could satisfy. There's no one else that could ever satisfy the longing of your heart and the longing of your soul. Luke 6 and 21 says this, Blessed are you who hunger now. Amen? For you will what? You will be satisfied. It says, blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. It says, blessed are you when people hate you. That might not seem like a thing to be blessed about, right? But he says, blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, when they insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. But verse 23 says, but rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. For that's how their ancestors treated the prophets. I'm thankful, church, that we can rejoice now. Amen? I said, I'm thankful that we can rejoice now. Amen? I'm thankful that we have the living God in our life. I'm thankful that our hearts are truly satisfied in Jesus. Amen? But the question is this, but what about the world? What about the world? We might be able to rejoice. We might be thankful. We might be satisfied in our hearts. We might be glad in our hearts. But what about the world? What about our neighbors? What about the people that are living across the street from us? What about the people that you meet every single day? What about them? What about their life? Are they living in torment? Are they living without the peace of God? What about our loved ones that could be hurting and broken? What about them? The Bible teaches us, church, that we have in Christ everything that we could ever need. Amen? Jesus sums up every single thing that you would ever need in this world. He is our need meter. He is our friend. He is our comfort. How many of you know Jesus as your friend? Amen? How many of you know Jesus as your comfort? Amen? How many of you know him as your guide, as your shelter, as your strength? Guess what? How many of you know him as your salvation? Amen? I know, man, that he saved my life. And I'm grateful for that, amen? But here's the deal. Imagine if we cowered and if we failed every single day to tell of, of this good God that we know. Think about that. I ask you a question tonight. You don't have to answer, but who did you tell about Jesus today? Who saw the face of Christ in your life? Who witnessed the power of God from your life today? You see, if we can truly say that he is our satisfaction, if we can truly say that he is everything to us, that he's our comforter, he's our friend, he's our salvation, think about this. What if we bowed and we cowered and we bowed down to what the world wanted even after we met Christ? See, because the world doesn't want you to say a word about Jesus. Did you know that? The world wants to censor Jesus out of all of our conversations. 
The world doesn't want you to talk about Jesus on social media. The world doesn't want you to talk about Jesus when you're ministering to your friend. The world does not want you to to have conversations about Jesus because guess what? The prince of this world, that is Satan himself. He his his mind and his body and his just being, it's just his ears ring every time he hears the name of Jesus. But when the church When the church begins to have that courage and that boldness and say, you know what? But I've got to tell them about Jesus because he is the best thing that has ever happened to my life. When you open your mouth and you begin to say and you begin to preach and you begin to tell of the wonderful good news that Jesus Christ is your redeemer and he is your salvation, my friend, that is the most beautiful and wonderful thing that you could ever do. It is the most glorious thing that you could ever be a part of. But imagine if we put satisfying the world above Christ and his plan to reach a lost world. Would we not be like Pilate? Y'all remember who Pilate was? Mark 15 and 15 says this, wanting to satisfy the crowd. Pilate released Barabbas to them and had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. See, sometimes when we're living this life and we've got one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom, part of our life that belongs to God, you know, and part of our life that that is just still stuck in the world, every day we'd be just like, Pilate. Every day our life would be just like Pilate because guess what? Instead of satisfying Jesus and pleasing him, we satisfy the crowd that says stay silent. Don't speak about him. Don't tell others about him. Don't pray for your friends. Don't be bold for Jesus. We become just like Pilate. And you know what? The Bible says that that Pilate washed his hands. You know what? There wasn't enough water, enough cleansing for Pilate to cleanse his hands from handing over the innocent Christ to be crucified. But church, our hands, think about this. Our sins, think about this. They pounded in the nails into the hands and the feet of Jesus and nailed him to the cross. That is a reality that we must never lose sight of. Because it was our sins that put him there. The Bible says that we didn't choose him, that he chose us. Amen? We didn't choose him. And sometimes we like to think, you know what, well, Pastor Duke, I wasn't there. Your sin was there. Amen? Your sin was there in that moment. Our pride, our evil deeds put him there. Our unwillingness to repent, our stubbornness to follow the Lord at times is what the scripture speaks of. That type of person in Hebrews 6 and 6. It says this, to their loss they are crucifying the Son of God all over again. And they're subjecting him to public disgrace. What does that mean? Heaven forbid, church, that that would ever be us. Heaven forbid that that would ever be us, that we would somehow turn from the satisfaction that Jesus offers us and we would somehow turn to the things of the world to bring us satisfaction. 
chasing our own dreams, longing for things that will puff us up and bring us glory instead of what pleases him. You see, when we choose anything else that this world tries to satisfy with, it's like choosing Barabbas over Jesus. It's like choosing death over life. Choose Jesus. Amen? Choose Jesus. Choose to follow him and to serve him only. John 10 and 10 says, the thief comes only to steal. The thief here is the devil himself. The thief comes what? To steal and to kill and to destroy. And every day there's a war that comes against the mind of every single believer to kill you, to steal your joy, to to rob you, to destroy you. To keep you thinking that somehow you can never serve God, you can never love God, you can never get it right. The enemy attacks your mind constantly. He comes against your body. He afflicts you in all kinds of different ways so that ultimately he could destroy you and stop you from following Jesus. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Life in our spirit, life in our body, and life in our soul. The only one that can satisfy the human heart is the one who made it. (laughs) Amen. The only one that can satisfy your heart, church, is the one who made it. Psalms 107 and verse 8 says, So let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry with good things. Psalm 63 and verse 5, he, David said this. He said, I will be fully satisfied as with the riches of foods, with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. You see, the world cannot offer you that hope, amen? The world can never offer you that hope. Only the life of Jesus can, amen? The world can't offer your spirit, uh, you know, uh, the living God. The world cannot quench your thirst and fill your heart as with the riches of foods. Only Jesus can. So somebody say, give me Jesus. Say it like you mean to say, give me Jesus. Here's the deal. I want Jesus and I want others to know him, Amen? We need to want Jesus for ourselves every single day, but we need to also have that equal desire to want others to know him. To want others to step into the freedom and the glory and just the, the, the love and the power and the presence that only Jesus provides. But I have to say this because sometimes we just desire him in need. Sometimes we just come after Jesus when we're in need. Sometimes we just come to him because, you know, we got through, we went through a divorce or we, we went through some horrible thing in our life. Sometimes we just come to Jesus because, oh man, our body's failing us and, and we need him to heal us. Sometimes we come to Jesus with all these things before just coming to him. Jesus and, Jesus and, and can I tell you something? Jesus won't turn you away even if you come with something. Amen? He's not going to turn you away, but here's the, 
Here's the thing that I want us to understand. We shouldn't just desire him in need. We should desire him in both seasons of good and bad. Amen? Because here's the thing. Sometimes we are so quick to bow before him when we, you know, are living in a season that's this horrible and, and, and you know, we feel afflicted and we feel just destroyed and, and tired. But he is just as worthy to be followed. He is just as worthy to be loved and served when things are going well. Amen? He's just as worthy to be pursued every single day when things are going good. In, in Hosea chapter 13 and verse 6, he said this, When I fed them, they were satisfied. But when they were satisfied, they became proud and then they forgot me. Don't let the moments when the Lord satisfies your life, when the Lord heals some area of your heart, don't let the moments when the Lord, you know, does some miraculous thing in your life to just cause you to take a step back and become stagnant. To take a step back and just be proud and think like, oh, that's it, I've arrived. We need to cling to Jesus even now more than ever and every single day after. Amen? How many times, think about this, do we spend seasons praying on our needs but when God finally met our need when God finally met that thing that we were praying for we left him how many times church how many times and I want to encourage you here tonight maybe you have a present need before the Lord and that's okay I believe the Lord will meet your need I believe the Lord will transform your life he will just do everything But I want to encourage you the better way to receive Jesus, and that is to seek first his kingdom and all his righteousness. Amen? That's to never let anything take a higher place than Jesus in your life. Amen? So as I ask you to stand tonight, Jesus reminds us in his word that apart from him, we can do nothing. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Apart from him, we can do absolutely nothing. And so that tells us that we need Jesus every day, and so does the world. Amen? And so if you would bow your heads with me just for a moment, ask yourself this question. Are you seeking Jesus just for yourself? Are you saying, Jesus, I need you just, just because but you want him for yourself? Or are you seeking him for his grace and his power and his strength and his boldness and his courage to reach others for him? Just think about that tonight. It's important that as we seek the Lord, that we ultimately seek for his plan and for his purpose. Amen? That we say, God, do in me, Lord. Have your way in me, God, in a way that satisfies you. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org.